Hello and welcome to WMQNA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week, our old friend Will Nevin returns. In addition to writing about comics for AL.com and OregonLive.com, Will is a visiting assistant professor of communication studies at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, which means he is uniquely qualified as an educator to make sure y'all did your summer reading now that we are in the thick of back-to-school season. He and I will spend this episode counting down our respective five favorite books of the summer, a mix of Big Two Bombast and Indie Darlings. Uh, We also get into a little wrestling farther down the episode, if that's your thing. Uh, Anyway, what's going on over at WMQComics.com? Oh, so much. Uh, In honor of the launches of Border Town and The Dreaming this week, Matt Lazowitz just put up a new bonus reading column on four lesser-known Vertigo titles worth digging through dollar bins for, uh, featuring some early work by Garth Ennis, Ed Brubaker, and Michael Lark. Uh, Joshua Bermont just reviewed the Nightwing annual and couldn't say enough good things about it. And, of course, we've got the usual roundup of comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. Uh, But now on to me and Will. So I have uh, I, I've brought you here to kind of go over your sort of, uh, I guess, top five books of the summer. Uh, and obviously I have my own uh, picks as well. And I trust that your number one is uh, Sean Gordon Murphy's Batman White Knight. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to state for the record that I view this as a personal attack. <laughs> I am air quotes triggered, um, and I have never been sadder uh, at a tweet than the one that I directed at you. That apparently he is um, in the midst of working on a sequel, and I am I'm I'm just so sad. I'm so sad for the art. I'm so sad for. Uh, the people who will read this and think that it's good. Um, it's just, it's a disappointing time for us all. And um, thanks for, for bringing that back up. I, I apologize, not really, for reopening the wound. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's, let's kind of get on to the show, on with the show here. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and take the lead? What's kind of your, I don't know if I actually ranked them or not. So this doesn't have to be your number five. It can just be one of the five. But what's your what's your first book on the summer reading list here? Um, well, I'll start with uh, two from the big two. And then I'll get into the, uh, the other three, which it all kind of makes sense to me laid out that way. Yeah, um, I actually, we kind of laid ours out similarly. We both went two from the big two and three from uh, the third-party publishers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will start with... <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned White Knight. I will start with a good uh, Batman book. Um, the immediate post-wedding arc on, on Batman, I think, has been some of the finest uh, Batman writing of... Of really the last 10 or 15 years, um, the story, uh, Cold Days, is the official mm-hmm. arc. And it's 51, 52, and 53, just wrapped up. Um, it takes Batman uh, in the immediate aftermath of his, of his failed nuptials. And I think we could spend, you know, 30 minutes talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was not a highlight of the summer. It was... It happened over the summer, um, but 
it's just it's a great story. Uh, in essence, it is uh, Bruce Wayne has finagled uh, his way onto a jury uh, that is deciding whether to uh, send um, Victor Freeze to jail uh, for the murder of three young women. And uh, Bruce is not on the jury to convict Freeze. He is on the jury to set Freeze free. Because he believes that he, as Batman, has made a mistake uh, in 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 um, in sort of the thought process that that led him to believe uh, Freeze had killed those women, and it is just a thorough deconstruction of uh, what Batman means to Bruce Wayne, uh, what Batman means to Gotham, uh, what. Bruce sees as his obligation to the truth, capital T truth, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's just it's just been a fascinating read. Um, the the reporting or the the commentary in the wake of fifty three was was kind of unfortunate because it was all about oh Batman's going back to his original costume and Batman's an atheist and yeah those were like some cute quick headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the overall arc uh, again was absolutely um, great, um, especially because it had these tones of, of twelve angry men um, and just this narrow, tight, compact jury room drama. And just a great, great read, and I was really, really happy with it. Yeah, I keep waiting for sort of the Tom King bubble to burst, and it just it feels like it, it's still not gonna. Uh, anytime soon uh, for my own uh, you know number five or at least the first selection on this list I'm going with Mr. Miracle which yeah you know it's been going on for a year now it's gonna be wrapping up this fall but it's still some of the strongest writing that I'm seeing in you know a DC book or, or any other book and you know kind of building up to obviously what the last couple of issues are gonna be dealing with uh, you know whether Scott Free is going to give up his his child the way his father gave up uh, Mr. Miracle to Darkseid to create another, you know, uh, tenuous peace between Apocalypse and New Genesis. Um, it, it, he's just really good at sort of taking this cosmic struggle and making it as as existentially mundane as possible. I think I gave maybe the first issue a read and it was one of those books for me that I didn't really get it, but I didn't necessarily think it was bad. It just was like, this is not for me, but I can certainly see how other people would get this. I think if I was more into the the fourth world stuff, I would absolutely enjoy it and love it. It's just, it's a little too dense for me to get into, Uh, but it certainly looks beautiful. That is true, and I was happy to hear that Mitch Gerrards is going to be joining Tom King on some of the, I guess, for Heroes in Crisis, it's it's King and Clay Man, but there's supposed to be some standalone issues or, or I guess, offshoots or whatever that uh, Gerrards is drawing. So, Yeah, those two guys just work so well together, and it's a shame in this era of double shipping that you can't get this consistent um, writer-artist uh, pairing that you'd like. Um, you know, I, 
I couldn't tell you how many different artists have been with King on his Batman run, but you know, they're, they're pushing out books constantly. So yeah, uh, it, it's hell on the writers uh, on the writers and it's double hell on the artists. So I, I understand it, but on the other hand, it's, it's regrettable too. Uh, moving on, what's your what's your next pick? I will go to the the other house, the House of Ideas, uh, the House of Marvel, uh, Immortal Hulk. Uh, that was one of those books where you hear people talk about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I should read that. I've got that. It's in my pile. I'll eventually get to it. And then I eventually got to it. I sat down with, I think, the first four issues, and man, that is just, it's just good. Um, it has got this great supernatural horror kind of creepy vibe to it. And it reminds me a lot of the old, uh, television show where it just seems to be uh, Bruce Banner just kind of going around the country in these little short little one-off, uh, stories. I think they're about to get into a larger story. I might be wrong on that. Um, but it, there's just these short little compact stories, almost kind of like the, the old X-Files Monster of the Week mm-hmm. uh, type episodes, which sure. were some of my favorite. Um, Immortal Hulk number two especially was just so good in the way that it just told this short little story about Banner coming, uh, coming into this town that's got this mysterious illness that's related to uh, gamma radiation, you know, which is the thing that Banner knows a thing or two about. And he just, um, he, along with, you know, some help from the Hulk, uh, they just, um, uh, they solve this mystery and they help this town. And then at the end, he just moves on to the next town. Uh, great storytelling with just some, some really great art. And again, this great vibe. Um, I have never really gotten into a Hulk book before, uh, but man, this is, this is a good one. Um, th- I, I'm probably like the last guy who's not reading Immortal Hulk after you know everyone around me saying you need to read that book, and I believe all of them. I don't have any sort of you know, uh, I'm not like the baby kind of just closing his mouth and shaking his head at the spoonful of of, of yummy oatmeal. It just I just it's have yummy. not gotten it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just. You can only read so many books. I, I certainly understand. Um, but I think this is one that when you get around to it, like I did, you're going to be happy. I look forward to the day. Maybe I'll pick up the first volume in trade or something like that. Treat myself. Yeah, that'd be a good read. Yeah. Um, my Marvel pick, uh, I've actually, I've got a twofer, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll snake. I'll go back to back here because there is a theme. Uh, so I'm going with uh, Mr. and Mrs. X from Kelly Thompson and um, uh, Oscar Bazaldua, which just started, and also Matt Rosenberg and Annie McDonald's Multiple Man miniseries. Because, uh, you know, basically, I think we're finally starting to get the X-Men writing that we both need and deserve. It kind of, you know, I, I think there was a lot of, of false hope in the Resurrection relaunch from last year, but... You know, just even the announcement that Uncanny is going to be this sort of three-way round robin among uh, Ed Brisson and and Thompson and Rosenberg. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I've really been enjoying uh, these books. I feel like we're getting writers now who get the X-Men and also kind of get the Generation 
I, I think that we're, we're seeing X-Men writers from sort of the generation that I grew up with, you know, that very 90s kind of post-cartoon uh, stuff that seemed to understand even kind of B-team characters like Havoc and Jamie Madrox better, you know, better than others. Yeah, that's one of the more interesting things, uh, especially with uh, the relaunch of Uncanny, is that this seems to be the next generation of Marvel writers, and and that that would be something exciting uh, if I was a big X Men fan, which I am not. Uh, but you do you, you know. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I I just. I have tried on a few different occasions to get into um, X-Men, and I, I just haven't for, for whatever reason. I remember being really, 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 really excited uh, with X-Men 92, and I loved the original initial series and whatever Marvel event that was. And then when they tried to make it an ongoing, it just didn't work, and I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I actually, I actually liked both iterations of uh, X Men '92. I thought they were a lot of fun, but I do think the Secret Wars version was a lot more, you know, compact because they were confined to the the, the four issue story. So I get, I get that. But uh, your number three, or your third pick? We'll get into the the image books now. Mm -hmm. uh, spoiler alert: the rest of mine are image books. Um, <laughs> I think the, the image book that I am biggest on right now has to be Ice Cream Man. And I am a big homer for anthologies. I am a big homer for horror comics. And this just, if you'll indulge me, uh, this, this just hits the sweet spot uh, in, in both. Um, Wait, I didn't know I was indulging a pun. Say, hey, you, I didn't agree to that. <laughs> no no taxis, bagsies. It's 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 been done. It's too late now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, W. Maxwell Prince is just. I I can't believe just the the creativity he brings to each issue. Um, it would be one thing to just say, okay, I'm going to do an anthology book. I'm going to you know, shift up the tone with each book. I'm going to tell different stories. I'm going to have different characters and that's just going to be it. And you know, that'll be that. His aspirations for this book are incredible in that for each issue, he just reinvents his entire storytelling technique. And it's, it's been absolutely incredible to read from issue to issue and see what he's able to do with the storytelling. Um, number six specifically uh, just came out. Um, I guess it was uh, last last week. Um, probably, and I can't I can't say this for sure. All of the award balloting isn't in yet. We haven't officially tabulated our results. Um, but I have to say, right now in my mind. Um, my single issue of the year to date uh, in that he tells a story without any dialogue. I mean, he's got some, he's got some sound effects and like, you know, a, a word or two here, uh, but there's no dialogue. And he just tells a story 
through the purest form of the medium, just telling it in pictures. And he tells three stories throughout uh, throughout the issue, all at the same time. It's it's really incredible to just sit down and and look at. And of course, six is totally different from five, and it's totally different from seven. And again, it's just an amazing series, um, and it's it's really really fun to see what he's able to do from issue to issue. I would say more than any other comic, possibly more than Immortal Hulk. This is the other one that everyone's telling me to read and I haven't gotten around to yet. You know, our, our good buddy, uh, Zach with, uh, Batman's bookshelf. Um, I believe he swears by my, my recommendations at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, he's, he, he picked up rock candy mountain after I told him to, and he loved it. You have you, you steered neither of us wrong with that one. I I do not recommend bad books. I read bad books, but I keep them to myself. <laughs> so you do own White Knight. No, I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> uh, the the only thing I will I will cop to reading to that I am ashamed about is Crossed. I I love that book. Uh, I love every iteration of that stupid gross series. Damn you, Garth Ennis! Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't—I wouldn't recommend that to anyone uh, except for me. Okay. Um, I also have an image book on the list. Uh, I'm going with uh, Farmhand from Rob Guillory. Uh, you know, I've been waiting for his follow-up to Chew for a while now, and it this one this one paid off. You know, I I, I really like you know his arts evolved. It's a little bit you know. It's a little bit darker for this book that whereas, you know, Chu was was a little bit, you know, was was more on the absurdist side. But, you know, it's he's telling a he's telling a great story while still working to kind of uh, while still getting to work with uh, food and agriculture and a little gross out stuff. Yeah, I've I've got uh, I think the first two issues of that sitting in my pile uh, because, again, it's one of those books that people have been talking about. I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down with it. Um what would you say is sort of the general plot of the book? Sure. Okay. So uh, this uh, farmer uh, has, I don't know if you would call it a religious experience or a psychotic break or something, but he develops this seed that allows you to grow stem cells. And so he creates this entire, almost, uh, you know, Disney-like, uh, big pharma agritourism business uh, growing organic uh, body parts. And so he is, uh, in the meantime, he's estranged from his son uh, who left, you know, left town, tried to strike it out, you know, strike out on his own as a writer, uh, struggled with some addiction issues and, uh, you know, has, has since had a family. And now they've kind of reconciled and the son has brought his wife and children uh, to the farm to, uh, you know, kind of stay and work in this farm town. And, you know, there's a little bit of kind of X-Files, like not everything is what it seems to it. Uh, and also there's fingers growing on trees. So it's, you know, it's just a lot of, of it's just a lot of imagery. It's a lot to look at, you know, just, just every bit as much as Chew was. Huh. Yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty neat. I, I'm going to have to get to that sooner rather than later. Definite recommendo. Uh, all right, your turn. Sticking with image. So I think my my first love is probably anthologies. 
my second love, revenge. I I love I love just the simple, basic conceit of a book or a movie, and it's like somebody has done did me wrong, and I'm going to go after them and I'm going to kill them. Uh, that's pretty much the setup for Shanghai Red, which is from uh, Christopher Sabella and. Uh, it is a great turn of the century Portland, um, you know, just this nasty, again, a revenge book. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, this young woman, Red, um, is literally Shanghai, uh, impressed into naval service. And, and this is all in the first issue, so I apologize for spoilers here, um, because it is such it's just such a great moment, and I just I laughed and I laughed and I laughed at just kind of this dark black comedy of it all. Um, so Red and these other uh, sailors who have been uh, you know kidnapped and pressed into service, uh, the captain or the first mate comes to them at like you know two o'clock in the morning or whatever and says, hey, guess what, you guys. Your, your contract uh, is up. You guys are free men. Uh, or, uh, you know, and if, if you want off the boat, we're going we're gonna to put you off in China. Or you could sign up for another year of service. And so all of the sailors are debating the merits of this thing. And, and Red, our protagonist, just kind of speaks up and says, you know, we could just kill all of these guys. And so she leads this this revolt on the ship, and she kills everybody. And she's like, "I'm going to go back to Portland, and I'm going to kill all these sons of bitches that put me on this boat." And and that's what she sets out about uh, sets out to do. And it's just this it's a simple story told well, uh, and it gets very uh, very much deeper into all of the emotions, all of these emotions of uh, of red. Uh, you know, being torn away from her family, doing everything she can get back to her family, uh, being absolutely shocked uh, what she finds when she gets back to Portland. Um, it is just just a wonderfully told story and beautifully uh, illustrated. The art team is just simply fantastic. And again, I cannot get enough sweet nasty hot revenge and that that's that's what shanghai red is <laughs> um i read the first issue of that and uh really liked it this is kind of for for image readers this is sort of the summer of of christopher sabella because he also put out uh, a second uh ongoing um actually i think shanghai red is a miniseries but either way uh crowded which just launched like if not last week the week before with uh, Rostein and Ted Brandt on art. And that, that one's obviously got a lot uh, different tone. It's lighter, but also about someone whom everybody wants to murder for money uh, for for some reason, but uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I like Crowded too. It just, it didn't speak to that same base or perhaps debased emotion, um, but it is, it is a lot of fun. And incredibly, I, I still can't get over this, optioned into a movie before it was published. Yeah. Like, Sabella is like miles ahead of the game. I, I, I couldn't believe that. I was actually, uh, so this weekend my parents moved uh, and they bought their home. It was an estate sale home. 
So the previous owner had died, you know, the family had to get rid of the house and, and clear it out. But my mom calls me into the master bedroom uh, closet at one point, you know, we had come up to, to help kind of move boxes around and furniture and sitting in the closet were these two creepy ass porcelain clown statues. <laughs> just, just, just staring at you. The own, previous owners of the family of, of the deceased, whatever, just left them in the closet, which I mean, let's face it. I get it. You know, you don't, you don't want to touch those things because that's, that, that way lies nightmares. But uh, I, I thought of Christopher Sabella because he had written that, that book about staying at the Clown Motel in Nevada for a month. And uh, so I, I tweeted at him, I'm like, hey, does the Clown Motel take donations? Because I got these <laughs> creepy fuckers. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, they do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always figured that would be a, a fun read. Um I think I think I have liked everything he's he's ever done. Um, Cold War mm-hmm. is probably his most like bizarre experimental thing, but uh, I dug that. And um, Heartthrob is just been a great uh, story that's I assume is coming back soon. Maybe I think um, I haven't seen any uh, solicits for that, but it's 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 bound to be coming back here here shortly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I gotta check. Uh, you know, it's solicits week, so at at some point, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll, I'll come across it. But uh, your next uh, your next book. Round out my summer reading. Um, after anthologies, after revenge, probably just comes uh, wanton destruction and mayhem, and I really got that in John Layman's Leviathan. Uh, I thought that was that was a fun book. Um, basically, Cloverfield with a smile. Um, you know, it, a, a big uh, monster pops up in the middle of this uh, urban city and starts to you know wreck house. And uh, you know these these poor fellows are caught up in the middle of it. Uh, we got in some. Um, some great digs at uh, President uh, Racist Baby Man. Um, and so that was fun. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Um, I think it's a, it's a miniseries. So, um, you know, where did this monster come from? Where is it going? Um, who knows? But I, I will say, get the art from, um, let's see, uh, Michael Garland, Nick Patera. Um, just the colors and just all of the detail that you see. Um, so it's destruction with a smile and it looks pretty. Okay. Confession time. I, I uh-huh. read the first issue of this and I could not get into it. In fact, I stopped reading halfway through. Really? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like I don't have the wherewithal to say that this is a bad book, but I kind of felt, I felt like the way the characters were being drawn, and this is a style thing, not a, not a talent thing by any stretch of the imagination, but it just seemed like the book thought all of its characters were stupid. <laughs> like, I just wasn't sure who I was, spo- you know, if I was supposed to root for anyone. And I, I just, I don't know. It just, it didn't grab me. And which is funny, I wanted it to. You know, I'm certainly a fan of John Lehman. Just spent a whole five minutes talking about how great Shu was, but... 
ah, this one did not do it for me. Yeah, I think for me, it was just kind of those books where I was just kind of able to turn my brain off and just kind of laugh and have a good time. Um, and if you're not in the mood for that, then then maybe this isn't a book for you. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's curious to, to hear that you had that kind of reaction to it. Um, I could see people having sort of the same reaction to, to Ice Cream Man. Um, um, and they're, they're two different kinds of kind of absurdity going on. Um, you know, Leviathan, it's, oh, this, this building fell on top of your head or uh, on top of your head and you're dead now. Oh, too bad. Moving on to the next character. Um, and an ice cream man, it's, oh, there, there are bugs coming out of your face for some reason. I don't know. Um, but I just kind of roll with it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could say that reaction kind of makes sense to me. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'll say it's number five for a reason. Um, because somebody took one of my other books. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I could see maybe giving up on this and maybe, especially maybe giving up on this after a second issue. So you, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. It's, it's subjective. It's all subjective. Yeah. Um, I burned through all your five. I still have two more to go and an honorable mention. But yeah, so the one I stole from you, which I, I, I graciously said you could have back, but uh, now it's mine all mine. Uh, Hot Lunch Special from Aftershock, Elliot Rahal and, um, oh crap, I'm blanking on the artist's name. Don't don't look at me, buddy. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I made this bet. I have to lie in it. Gosh darn. Okay, well, I'm going to look it up. Anyway. Uh, no, it's a great, uh, you know, family story of this uh, Lebanese-American family who, uh, you know, sh creates this basically vending machine sandwich empire in the Midwest that is built on, you know, organized crime money. And it's, just, it's, it's a fantastic read. It's really well drawn as I sit here trying to still look up the artist's name. Ha ha. Um... But just very, it, gra it grabs you right away. And it feels like, first of all, Elliot Rail is kind of like a rising star right now. And I feel like this is Jorge Fornes. There we go. All that stalling paid off. No, um, really good first issue. Uh, just surprised me with, you know, how much uh, it kind of pulled me in. You know, I don't think it's, it's my normal sort of, uh, you know, fair when when reading comics but i really feel like this is like this is aftershock's first like critical this is a good comic i thought the very same thing um in in looking at what the book meant to aftershock um it's probably a, co a, a coincidence but maybe it's not i think this is one of their first books that doesn't have that aftershock trade dress like across the cover like this is the first aftershock book that really stands out on its own uh and they've had some they've had some great books uh you know baby teeth uh i i loved rough riders i don't know if anybody else loved it uh but i, I certainly thought it was like this good just kind of pulpy fun um but i think 
uh, Hotline Special is their first book that could really be at home at, you know, a place like Image. Uh, yeah. You know, your, your prestige uh, independent publishers. Um, Elliot just did a, a, just a great job uh, because I think so much of the story is kind of his life story and where he's from and his family and what he knows. And when you're able to pour that much of yourself into a book, uh, the end result is just going to make that kind of connection apparent. Um, the tone is great. The, the panel to panel storytelling that he was able to do in that book is great. And I'm so excited to see where it goes next. Uh, I love uh, you know, these sorts of crime books and this kind of noir sort of storytelling. Um, this was uh, one of my highlights of, of the summer. Um, definitely one of my five, but hey, I'm, I'm not one to dwell. <laughs> Uh, and then my uh, my five, my number five is uh, the seeds. We just started from Dark Horse, uh, Ed Nascenti, and uh, David Aha on art. That one, that's another one that just kind of snuck up on me. And you know, after the first issue, I don't necessarily know that I know one hundred percent how to describe it. It clearly involves uh, you know aliens and the dying of Earth's population and them collecting kind of uh, specimens uh, from Earth and a revolt against technology and also commentary on the state of journalism. There's a lot going on, but I the think... dystopian shit is what you're saying, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But some of, the, some of that good dystopian shit. Yeah. Yeah. High quality shit. Yeah. There's like humans and aliens, you know, booty calling. One just needs sex and one needs human DNA for their collection. It's it's hauntingly beautiful. Uh, you know, if I had an honorable mention, and I've kind of lost track of, of this book. I need to get caught up. Um, uh, Port of Earth, uh, talking about aliens and dystopian shit. <laughs> um, uh, Port of Earth is a good book. I, I, I don't think I've started on the second arc though. Um, and I think the second arc, uh, kicked off this summer. So that's, that's something I want to go back and pick up and then, uh, Kill or Be Killed finished up over mm -hmm. the summer. And I think I probably lost track of that one after five or six or seven. So I've got like 12 issues waiting on me, but I am absolutely confident that that is a great series that it's, finished it's up. It's Brubaker and Phillips, which means it's one of those ones, it's like, after a while, everything is so consistently great that you forget to pay attention to it. But which is a real shame. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to, they're doing an OGN for Image, I think in October, uh, All My Heroes Are Junkies. Yeah, I saw that. That's something I definitely want to get a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, my honorable mention, and it's because I haven't been reading it, but now that there's like a year-long break, I, I'll finally be able to catch up, is Saga. Because apparently uh, that last issue before the hiatus is such a heartbreaker. Um, so I need to uh, catch up on the trades for that. Uh, you know, probably my favorite series that I'm reading exclusively in trade. That's one I, 
I think I I thought about reading like the the first issue, and I never. I, I, I don't know. It's one of those ones where, again, people talk about it, and I'm like, I, I don't really know if I should be reading that or not. It's, your, it's your ice cream man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, certainly with, what, a year? The hiatus? I, you could have all the time in the world to catch up. That's true. Uh, you know, we mentioned Zach before. He's actually doing a saga reread on his uh, on Batman's bookcase on his website. So it's a perfect time <laughs> to, to see what all of the fuss is about. There you go. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I'm going to make a quick, uh, a hard right turn here. How was your SummerSlam this past weekend? Now. I don't know uh, your good friends up there that that do the wrestling podcast. Uh-huh, my friends at the booking sheet. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but when they say that the main event was good uh, or that uh, it was fine or whatever they said, uh, they were wrong. Um, so, yeah, that, that's about how SummerSlam went for me. Do you uh, do you read the WWE stuff from uh, Boom at all? I I dip in and out. Um, I remember reading the first uh, issue, and then I, I gave a review of the first issue that almost got me like blacklisted from Boom. Oh, jeez, uh, <laughs> I know because I basically want all I want in my professional wrestling is a serious sports like presentation. I want everything to seem like it matters. And the first issue had like monster trucks and a bunch of different silliness. And I'm like, why do we have this silliness? Um, but some of it has been quite good in that it, it, it can tell stories that the television uh, can't. It spends time on characters that the television can't. Uh, I think the last thing I read was uh, maybe the beginning of their Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn arc, I think mm-hmm. in 18. And I thought that was pretty good. Um, uh, but yeah, wherever the book goes into like kind of zaniness and silliness and just kind of frivolity, I'm like, I get plenty of that on the on television. I don't need more of it in this comic series. Uh, their specials have been good. Uh, the, the various WrestleMania specials and SummerSlam specials, when they go uh, sort of back into history and, and tell stories that, you know, like The Undertaker and Stone Cold, uh, guys who aren't on television now, mm-hmm. uh, those have been good. But, you know, I, I think the month-to-month main series is a little hit and miss for me. Actually, I... I... I want to check out at some point the uh, the Attitude Era special just because that was when I was actually watching wrestling, you know, when it was Stone Cold and The Rock and you know Taker, Kurt Angle and all that. But uh, I guess that means you weren't a fan of the New Day story where Caveman Ric Flair fought a T Rex. Uh, yeah, I really hated that uh, <laughs> because again, it's that kind of like this kind of zaniness that I'm not looking for. Um, but that attitude special was pretty good, especially, um, the main, uh, stone cold story, Mm -hmm. because if you can, if you can nail 
that character's voice, which I thought they did, you're going to have a pretty good book. Um, I can't remember the rest of the stories off the top of my head, mm -hmm. but I know that that Stone Cold story was good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as SummerSlam goes, um, if you're not a fan of the main event, that's probably going to drag the, the show down for you. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I partied with some friends of mine, and we, we, we had a good time because we were all kind of in agreement that, oh, uh, this uh, this conclusion is bullshit. So yeah, we can we can all scorn um, Vince McMahon and his continued love for Roman Reigns. Yeah, and where do you fall on Roman Reigns? Because he's a polarizing figure, from what I can from what I can gather. Roman Reigns looks like a guy who walked in from Central Casting. He is <laughs> tall. He is gorgeous. But whenever he opens his mouth, you want to turn off the damn television. He is just uh, smug and arrogant in everything that he does, and he and that's okay when, except when you're positioned as the lead hero uh, on WWE's flagship programming, and he's just impossible to root for, impossible to love, um, but. I am not in charge of WWE booking. They do not ask me. Um, they do what they do for their reasons, mainly that Vince McMahon loves tall, good-looking men. Um, but, hey, I can watch SmackDown and enjoy that show. Uh, all right. Well, well we've, we've exhausted our, our summer reading. Uh, what are you picking up this Wednesday? What am I picking up this Wednesday? Um, Right now, uh, Inside Baseball, Comics mm -hmm. Journalism, uh, I can say that I'm reading an advanced copy of Planet of the Apes Visionaries, which I think is a really fascinating artifact. If you are a fan of the Planet of the Apes kind of saga, uh, this is an adaptation by Dana Gould, uh, the comedian, and surprisingly not a bad comic book writer. Um, he has adapted Rod Serling's original um, uh, original uh, screenplay for Planet of the Apes, which is, it's got a lot of the same story beats, but instead of this, of this like stone age or whatever age that the apes were in, uh, they are in this modern world. And, and, it's really kind of a fascinating read to see all these same uh, kind of general plot lines, but with an entirely different setting. And it turns out like uh, 20th Century Fox basically didn't have the budget to make the movie that Serling intended. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why it became like, oh, these highly intelligent apes with sticks and stones and rocks. Living in the town of Bedrock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it all kind of makes a lot of sense uh, once you kind of understand what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, but I think Gould has done a fabulous job with the uh, the adaptation. Um, I am blanking on the name, but a new uh, Batman miniseries tomorrow. Um, oh, I can look that up. One second. I, ju I just had it. It's something with fear and the scarecrow. Yeah. And Kelly yeah. Jones. I might get it first. Um, 
Kings of Fear. Kings of Fear. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, I I haven't gotten a chance to look at it, but I'm really excited to because it is. It, it feels almost like you're reading this thing that was published, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to have the staying power over a whole miniseries, but I am I am dying to crack open the the first book. Very, very cool. Uh, as we are wrapping up, as always, what are the best ways to follow you online if you, in fact, wish to be followed? <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually witness protection. Um, <laughs> this, is, this has been a horrible miscalculation on my part. Um, at Will Devin on Twitter, OregonLive.com slash books. I've got an interview coming out this week with uh, Brian Michael Bendis on oh. Scarlet. Um, his um, the newest chapter of his series uh, now at Jinx World DC comes out next week, and we had a good chat about that. Um, so that's kind of what I got coming up on the horizon. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I always if I'm not shit posting on Twitter, I'm talking about comics. Ah. Uh. If, if you're not shitposting on Twitter, you're dying. I mean, that's what we learned from Shawshank Redemption. So <laughs> You get busy shitposting or get busy dying. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. You can follow WMQComics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!